0: Good afternoon, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. As always, you're listening to the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialties Health Beat podcast. So today we got a great episode. Today's very unique. Um, you know, as normally we talk about different hazards and different safety management systems as they apply to those hazards, or we talk about different um, different human interest pieces, you know, people's lives and careers and stories. So today we got kind of a mix of that. So today, what we're going to be talking about is um a group of you know straight up bona fide prolific safety professionals and leaders in assp and all different kinds of functions and different career achievements and we're going to be talking about the things that that they found to be helpful in their careers so things that have been inspirational to them as far as whether it's uh things in the in the career field itself such as different leaders or organizations or case studies or whatnot or whether it's external things like music and movies and books and all the things that you know kind of help us um, you know kind of light up and find things that are interesting and kind of push us along in life so we're going to go ahead and get into that Um, but before we get into the the finer points we'll do a couple quick quick intros Um, Rachel how about we start with you we got uh, Rachel Michael from the Ergonomics Practice Specialty
1: Thanks, Corey. Appreciate being here with this great panel you've got. Uh, Rachel Michael, I am the administrator for the ergonomics practice specialty. I have been a practicing professional ergonomist for 20 plus years and involved in ASSP for a number of those years as well. Um, and my sh- specialization within ergonomics was actually in healthcare so i bring a little so bit bring- of, a, of a unique twist and that i've i've always enjoyed working in and tangentially been part of healthcare even while working in ergonomics as a primary focus
0: awesome yeah, thank you and we're always always glad to have you on board i know that um the those of us that, that kind of work in the in the healthcare area are kind of a kind of a rarefied bunch but, uh, um, Herbert, how about yourself? You got Herbert Bell from the Environmental Practice Specialty.
2: Hello, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'm affiliated with the Healthcare Practice Specialty because uh, when I was in the military, I was a corpsman, and so that's part of my background. I was also a paramedic when I was in the military, so I really, uh, find my home even though I'm not a member of the healthcare practice specialty uh, I I resonate uh, with everything that's going on with the practice specialty and uh, I don't practice as much environmental as I did in the past but I am a certified um, health and wellness coach along with being a Tai Chi Qigong instructor. So I'm on the mindfulness side of things, uh, trying to help my my fellow humans to uh, deal with uh, the stresses of the COVID and along with just the regular things in life.
0: That's awesome, thank you, and we we appreciate your service. I know we did a we did a great webinar with y'all a little bit ago where you did some some great knowledge about about wellness. We appreciate that. All right. And how about uh, Stephen Guillory with the public sector practice specialty? How are you doing?
3: Hey, Corey, how are you today? Uh, In addition to the uh, public sector practice specialty, uh, I'll be representing Bice on behalf of uh, Crystal Hodge and Jeanette Jackson. Uh, Jeanette may be on later. She's not on now, so I'll take that role. So right now uh, I am the current administrator for the practice specialty of public sector, public sector practice specialty. I apologize, and, and I am also on the executive board. The vice, uh, the chair I hold is mentorship, so it's brand new to me uh, to formally be in a mentorship role, but informally I've been doing it ever since I've been a SATA professional, 16 years in county. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool
0: because that's actually a lot of the stuff we're, we're talking about today so this is the kind of stuff we you know we use to guide people so that's that mentorship role is great i'm glad to hear y'all are doing that
2: <clears throat>
0: Right, awesome and we got bryce uh, bryce Clifford. he's over with emerging professionals and with management and then he's also done a heck of a great work with the diversity equity and inclusion how are you doing bryce
4: Great. Thanks so much for the invite to be here, Corey. Yeah. So my name is Bryce Griffler. My pronouns are he/him. I describe myself as a thought leader in in EHS, uh, but also in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Uh, So I've been practicing EHS for 10 years, and before that, I was a practicing engineer. So um, have kind of certainly shifted away from engineering at this point don't practice the way i used to uh i i serve on the advisory committee for both the emerging professionals common interest group and the management uh, practice specialty
0: awesome that's great we're glad to have you all here definitely a a star-studded panel today all right we'll go ahead and get right into it then so like we said we're going to be talking about about inspiration and the things that, that kind of, that kind of get us amped up to get out there and do a good job. So the reason I was thinking about this is because, um, we have that conversation a lot, you know, about, um, about kind of what brings us here. And I know I've had this conversation with people a lot of times when we're talking about, um, things like why we landed on our, our dissertation topic or whatnot. And, um, you know that's one of the things I always talk about myself is that uh, in the past, when I was in the in the military service, I used to read a lot of books about counterinsurgency, which date back, you know, to um, Lawrence of Arabia in World War One and um, uh, World War Two. There's um, the the strategic um, the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, and then of course in uh, Vietnam era, and then all the way up to you know, Afghanistan, in the last in the last twenty years. There's been a lot of work around that, and so it's uh, always been very intriguing to me how that goes and how that serves to, to promote you know positive culture change. And then from there, of course, you know, um, on a lighter note, I always tend to look at things. Um, like I, I tend to always find myself watching movies about about NASA and about space flight and all the progress they've made there. Um, recently, I was uh, I had read the book Hidden Figures and watched and saw that movie, and that was just um, really intriguing to me. I just, I'm really interested in that. And there's something about that where it kind of, when you see people that are, that are that smart and doing, you know, that many good things, it really kind of is, makes you want to do better, you know. So I thought that'd be cool to hear from our panel as far as the type of things like that, that kind of get them amped up and things that have been helpful for them. And maybe to will provide some, some op- uh, opportunities and some examples of some things that our listeners might want to check out. Maybe it'll be helpful to them. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. Um, How about we start with you? Um, What are some of your initial thoughts, um, whether it be things in the safety field or whether it be anything, uh, any kind of art form? What are some of your initial thoughts on things that have been helpful to you?
2: I think what was most helpful to me was uh, being in an environment where we had a major, uh, accident. I was in operations at the time. And then we had the, the OSHA visit. And from the OSHA visit, we had numerous fines. Uh, management was tripping out, trying to figure out what they needed to do management also didn't quite correlate the importance of safety they knew safety was okay but they didn't know how important it was to have a champion in their corner and for me i got a chance to go to the national safety council and to go through their there's there's supervisory training program that was like first level but what was even more inspirational was my vp of human resources who's who was responsible for safety was a graduate of the university of southern california and I did my research and found out that the University of Southern California back in the early 90s or 80s and even before that, has something called the Institute of Safety and Systems Management, ISSM. And they brought in the leading authorities around the world to train people how to train people on occupational safety and health management but it also taught us on uh, industrial hygiene. And you, you talked about inspiration. This is what inspired me. My boss was a certified industrial hygienist. His name was John Robinson. And he said, you're going to be a safety guy, but you're going to be an industrial hygienist too. I'm going to, I'm going to sign off on all of the reports you're going to learn how to do industrial hygiene too and because i was corporate i got an opportunity to travel to three of our mexico sites because i was responsible for those i had two sites in california one site in washington state and i also had one site in uh, parker colorado so for someone who was new into environmental health and safety I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, like, here I was, this rookie, OSHA visit, all this stuff, and guess what? I had this boss who was a CIH, who was very inspirational. And then when I went to ISSM, I got to study under Dr. Nahim Mishkadi, who's the foremost authority when it comes to uh, human factors for nuclear mishaps. I got to study under Rich Warner, who was also a, a certified industrial hygienist at the Santa Onofre Nuclear Facility. And then, out of all of that, I got to become a consultant with a guy by the name of James Baretti of Baretti Inc., who gave me my first consulting job, who happened to be the president of Orange County chapter of ASSE back in the day. And he gave me my first consulting job where I learned how to write, develop and write programs and also uh, develop training modules uh, for industry. So when it comes to like my background, <laughs> I've had some very inspirational uh, uh, people that I look up to, and I am in contact with them to this day.
0: Yeah, that's outstanding, and yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of a lot of great benchmarks along the way. A lot of great people to to help guide. That's awesome. <clears throat> cool, cool. That's awesome. All right, um, Stephen. How about yourself? What do you What are your initial thoughts?
3: Well. What I will tell you, Corey, is my initial motivation to get into the world of occupational health and safety. I even throw environmental in there. Um, when I was in college, I was going to be a a teacher. That was my my goal. My mother and father are both uh, were both educators. My father still is. My mother passed away. Uh, but all I knew was education. So. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with becoming a teacher, but when you get to that third year, you have something called student teaching, where you actually go to a classroom with kids and help a teacher out with teachers' aid. And that day I changed my major because it's not the everyone, and It is not the kids, it's actually the parents. I, I didn't have a temperament uh, to deal with that uh, like my, my parents did. So back to the drawing board, uh, with general studies, and that's what I graduated in general studies. Uh, it didn't make sense for me to find another major. It would have added like a year or two to my curriculum. Uh, long story short, uh, my uncle at the time was the regional manager for UPS um, in we Louis- in Southwest Louisiana, and I was with FedEx back then. You could. Our family members work for the same place, so I had to settle on FedEx, and he worked next door at GPS. But he had a conversation with my mother one day and told her, hey, look into this new, at the time, because this is like 20 years ago, look into this new um, thing out there called safety management, uh, occupational safety. Can't um, decide on what he wants to do, he doesn't want to teach. he made so that's what initially got me into safety. So when I graduated uh, with my bachelor's in general studies, started to look for programs uh, that were occupational safety. At that time, there weren't any in Louisiana. So I had to settle for industrial technology with an emphasis on environmental policy. But not, that was the closest I could get. Um, took it to the next level. My motivation was my mother passed away about 17 years ago from lung cancer. Uh, to catch the fit for She was 49 years old. Um, I knew it was safety related. So industrial hygiene, um, you name it, asbestos, all of that stuff. And come to find out, she worked in a sick building for about 25 years, asbestos, and you name it, it was in there. So that was when I started taking it serious. Uh, Occupational safety, that's when I got my master's degree and said, okay, this is a career. This is what I want to do because I could have, in theory, with my mother's early passing if I would have known certain things, if I would have taken it seriously. Uh, the inspiration that keeps me going is um, i in, successful in the safe world right now. Um, still have some hope, but I'm very satisfied with where I am and where I'm going. Uh, but I also noticed that there are a lot of young upcoming uh, safety professionals, whether they are brown, black, white, uh, it, it doesn't matter, female, male. male, that look to me for advice. And uh, I love to give it to them mentorship. Um, I mentioned advice earlier. It was a very inspiration to me because when I was coming up with nothing for priorities are females for that matter to, to, to the world. Now, ASSP has wise uh, women in safety excellence, but they also have bias blacks and safety excellence. So I, because I'm able to uh, touch those that, uh, that have, to touch, um, have a positive impact on Black female, females, females, it, it doesn't matter that I didn't have the same um, opportunity. So that's my inspiration that keeps me going is knowing that I, I, can, I can lend a hand to make decision in safety, whether they want to do environmental, whether they want to do industrial hygiene. Should I take the CSP? Should I get a master's degree? Should I, should I do that?
5: Hey,
0: that was all great, excellent. Yeah, it's definitely important, and uh, I I, um, I appreciate how you how you're able to do mentorship. You know, not only with with ASSP and with Vice and public sector, but of course, we you know you do that at work as well. And that's you know that that's as real as it gets. You know, that's where we where you're able to guide people. You know, into their careers and into different roles and responsibilities, and that that's that's life-changing stuff, so it's,
3: that's outstanding. Hey, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna add a little bit. I don't know if you remember the conversation, but uh, when you were just getting into the city, and I believe I was a safety supervisor at Public Works at Beach Nut, and we had a good conversation about that and some moves that I would I, I wanted to see you make in order, you know, to, to improve yourself as a safety professional and to promote yourself. And one of those conversations we had was, Corey, go ahead and get your CSP. The hardest part of, of, of the CSP is not taking it. And I wanna say a couple of months later, uh, Corey took it, passed it, and that was it. From there, I just saw the growth. So sometimes, and, and he probably knew already what he had to do, but sometimes it just takes a you know, friendly, hey, this is, why don't you do this? You know, a little nudge in the right direction. So that was, that was a conversation that I, I vividly remember with, with Corey is, hey, get your certifications, you know, um you have the knowledge, match it up with with something on paper. Uh, you force people in positions of power and organizations to respect you. And that's what Corey did. So I applaud him for that. But I remember that conversation like it was yesterday, Corey.
0: Yeah, oh, thank you yeah, that was, uh, I remember that as well. That was in 2012. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's one thing I've always, uh, you know, I I used to have that conversation a lot um, with some of our, you know, our our mutual colleagues and where, you know, I was with the city back in um, 2011 to 2013. And, and then um, I had gotten the opportunity to go over to healthcare for and so I was in healthcare for five years. After that, um, for a number of reasons not related to the work, um, I, I, I had taken a year off. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to to come back to the city, I was able to to go back to the city and go over to the health department. So I was able to do healthcare and public sector at the same time, which is um, I always say, you know, there, there's that old cliche they where people say, I didn't know my expectations until they were not met whereas i'm actually the opposite of that whereas i i didn't know my expectations and until they actually were met and I, I didn't know that job existed until i was kind of stumbled into it so um yeah always uh, very appreciative of everybody i've met along the way um certainly including steven But um uh, yeah awesome um bryce how about yourself what, what are your initial thoughts
4: yeah thanks so uh my my kind of um Background, if you will, is a little bit less personal in some ways than Herbert and Stephen. Um, you know, when when we first started discussing what the topic of of today's discussion would be, I, I pondered a bit about it. Um, and I I guess for me, I I would say that I am empowered by disastrous and tragic failures and fulfilled by successes. So when I see when I say disastrous and and tragic failures, you know, talking about you know my fascination as a child with the titanic disaster right maybe i was always destined to be a health and safety professional Um, but more recently looking at uh, events like the sinking of the costa concordia and the fact that bare minimum following bare minimum policy but but following it nonetheless was insufficient or um uh, Korean Air Flight eighty eighty five oh nine, um, where they had policy, but the policy did not jive, was not conducive to um, to Korean culture, and and so I'm very much empowered by those failures, and really enjoy watching documentaries, even if they're dramatized documentaries um, and and TV shows exploring those. Uh, I, I I just cannot take my eyes off of it, and so on the flip side, I would say I'm, I'm fulfilled by successes so again back to aviation us airways flight 1549 everyone knows it as as sully uh landing on the hudson right but but things that they did not train for things um that's not in the handbook about you know dual engine failure that low to the ground the 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 operators of the ferries nearby were not trained uh that hey when there's a commercial jetliner about to land in the hudson river what you do is you go get them Um, that's not that's not part of training um and then more recently for myself at an organization i was working at it was it's actually funny we were revamping our uh, pa system for the entire plant um, and i had them remove the pre-programmed message that says this is a plant-wide evacuation because we divided our plant into zones um and i had them remove plant-wide evacuation because out of 40, 50, some buildings that we had within the plant, there would never ever be a reason to evacuate the entire plant at once. It it just, you know, you have a fire in in one or multiple buildings, you don't evacuate the entire plant. And lo and behold, come COVID, and we had a policy for disinfecting buildings during secondary exposure cases and things like that. We did contact tracing and finally came to the conclusion as a as an emergency response team and as a business continuity planning team, we had to. Evacuate the entire plant Um, and I literally just weeks earlier had them remove that pre programmed message, Um, but when I talk about being fulfilled by success that day. um, Saw that plant that was built in the 1960s, first of all saw its very first ever plant wide evacuation all at once. Um, And the things that we achieved and I'm not going to go into it because as health and safety professionals, many of us know what what all the crazy things that we are doing uh, during the pandemic things we never thought we would do. Um, But I'm very fulfilled by all the things that we didn't just seem to go so seamlessly because, again, we're not trained to handle this. And how are you going to facilitate an evacuation of the entire plant when our uh, assembly points are not designed to handle those several thousand people when they're not designed to handle social distancing, um, all those crazy things that, that we ended up doing. And, and, you know, in, in the July heat, um, and then we're turning around distributing water bottles and then we're clearing building by building and making announcements. And we have our, our radios and our Bluetooth headsets, and it just went very, very seamlessly. And I, I think, you know, bringing it closer to home, um, you know, Steven shared about how, um, you know, you talk with different members of, of buys or even other members of your community and the things that you can instill that passion onto them and express the importance of things like certifications and other ways that you're mentoring. Uh, for me, I do that as a um, as an instructor on the weekends for the American Red Cross and instilling my sense of urgency and passion for health and safety and then getting a phone call uh, one, two, three years later from somebody who I frankly don't remember. uh sharing with me how grateful they are for the way in which I, I taught them or what they learned from my class because they were able to, to um, help someone or even save a life. Uh, so I am I choose to not be frustrated when I see failures but rather empowered to do better and then find fulfillment um, and, and like to reflect a lot on on successes when it comes to health and safety and and the examples i gave are obviously very much focused around emergency events uh, and emergency response which is i i, I just where i uh, become very passionate
0: that's awesome that's definitely awesome you know and i i i agree with you on that 100% is um when you talk about being able to help people learn things that they're able to use you know and and I, I don't say this as a as a humble brag or or anything but um one of the things that i've been especially happy about in the last couple of years in particular is that you know it, it it becomes a big part of our responsibility especially in in what we do in public health is you know to teach things like respiratory protection and contamination control and all of these things that we do and we had people that work in epidemiology that were going to do you know uh, patient assessments in the very very first days of the pandemic you know the single digit days when there were five cases in the entire city of houston you know among three point uh, 3.21 million people you know, it was five cases and now we have you know we'll just say quite a bit more but um at that time there was still a lot being learned about the pandemic and so we had people that they were actively knowingly, you know, willingly going into a situation with a, a, you know, acute respiratory virus that there's still a lot to be learned about. And they were taking that information and that skill, those skills, that knowledge that we taught them. And they were using that to keep themselves safe, to do something that was, <clears throat> you know, kind of like the equivalent of um, going off into the unknown, you know, and they they did just, just such a great job. I'm, uh, I couldn't couldn't be prouder of them, you know, so the fact that we were able to help keep them safe is is one of the things I'll, you know, I'll always remember for sure. Um, so yeah, that what you said there's uh, resonated well, I appreciate that. But, um, awesome. Uh, Rachel, how about yourself? What are, what are your thoughts?
1: Thanks, Corey. So Honored to be able to hear from such great voices, uh, yourself in, included in that. And I, I Corey has a, a habit of always making us think. And, and maybe I thought too deep on this one, but um, I joke. And sometimes when I go to to teach students, I joke that I I got into engineering. I did I did a master's degree in engineering uh, because I never wanted to talk to people. I was hoping that I would have a job where I was at a cubicle somewhere, never having to interact with people or do the the most terrifying thing I could think of as a, as a young student, which was sales or trying to convince someone that they needed to, to take a certain course of action. And of course, now as a professional, you realize we are all in sales. We are always, uh, quote unquote, selling our own expertise or our solutions or our ideas or trying to get Engagement with with organizations, with employees, with companies to to try to come to a common ground that we can work forward from in this profession. And despite that that being a joke, I have uh, about not wanting to to interact with people as a, as a professional. One of the things that I think tremendously benefited and shaped my my career and even my the the person I am now. Uh, was the the diversity of my education on the master's program in particular. So I'm I'm thrilled to hear more from from Bryce and Stephen on how we, we keep that up. This was in the late 90s and I've I think taken for granted the the fact that I had an opportunity to learn from instructors that came from South Africa, from Iran, from China, from uh, England, from the U.S., from Canada, and the student body that I was that I was with during this time that we were learning about ergonomics and how do systems affect people and how should we be looking at humans and how should we frame this human experience in work had a perspective from very industrialized. Nations and experience to not very industrialized nations and experiences, and just an incredibly diverse student body that represented uh, over over 16 countries. Uh, And that's how I assumed the rest of the the safety world or the ergonomics world was, and it hasn't been the case. And I think we're we're finally getting better now. But having that difference in experience and uh, opinion and upbringing and just that diversity that allowed me to see a, a broader swath of humanity and how culture and uh, these things factor into health and safety just like just like Bryce mentioned with the uh, with the Korean Air accident that we we do have these cultural things that factor in and and how do we ensure that we have a better and a safer world moving forward? And that is what we are passionate about. Um, and passionate, I'll even say angry sometimes when I see things that we know we had a fix for, we, we already learned the lesson. And, and I'm angry when I see that someone is injured or someone is hurt because we didn't fix it good enough this time. So that definitely informs my practice here.
0: Yeah, Outstanding. Yeah. I, I, again, I fully agree that uh, that resonates with me as well. You know, there's um, it's one of those things that it's a, it's a different precedent. You know, when you're, when you're looking at something that's hasn't, either hasn't been seen before or it's it's something that's in development or it's it's being worked on but when it's something that there's already a, a precedent set for it and there was i don't like to say the word but if there was some kind of neglect involved or oversight or whatnot then it, it it's a bummer i totally agree and that that does get me um hits me a different way than um than it would otherwise I, I totally agree. Great thoughts. I appreciate
2: that. I totally um, agree. I totally agree with that, too. And especially during the COVID, for most of us who have science backgrounds, then we know about viruses. It's just that some of the things that you see every day, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we know that viruses don't care about the humans but yet the people who walk around think that's, you know, it's all political and I might, that just befuddles me. Like, I mean, it's just, I, I, I imagine, I don't have the data on it, but I imagine that we probably had less flu during the first part of COVID because people were washing their hands, social distancing, they were using masks and they were doing all these great things. And I don't have the data behind it, but I wish I did. I'm Herbert, I'm complete.
0: Yep. Nah, no, you're you're totally totally correct. It's it's we have that conversation a lot where, you know, the the exposure prevention controls are known, you know, they're they're reliable and uh, and they're valid. And so when there's a choice being made to actively bypass those controls if there's not going to be exposures and cases and outbreaks it's, it's only by luck you know and luck is not the same thing as um as a change in risk um so yeah definitely a, a lot to be said about that but uh we, we can we'll put that on the books we can talk about that more later for sure i'm always open to that conversation but um before we get into the next question here um I wanted to introduce our Healthcare Practice Specialty Assistant Administrator, uh, Marilee Sartain, was able to join us in the meantime. Uh, Marilee, if you want to kind of give us a quick intro, um, just about 30 seconds, you know, who you are, what you're doing, all that good stuff. And um, then if you want to just kind of get some initial thoughts on um, on kind of what's, what's inspired you along the way, you know, to, to, to get into safety and to, and to do it well. What are your thoughts?
5: Thanks, Corey. Um, I tell you, it's been a very interesting journey for me. Um, And the first 10 years of my career really provided the baseline and inspiration to expand my knowledge base, you know, working at a chemical plant, um, I was able to see firsthand you know, some of the issues and tying with that, my science education degree was a great thing. Um, And I, in those first 10 years, getting to um, move into the industrial hygiene department and actually do the chemical and physical monitoring and uh, being a part of the ergonomics team, the first global ergonomics team back then was, um, things that have carried with me for years. Uh, Moving into uh, healthcare was another interesting uh, sideline as I initially started in healthcare in the education department. Um, And back then in, you know, early 2000s, I was able to actually help Write the first respiratory protection program at the hospital I was working at uh, because the infection control manager um, learned of my skill set and said, Hey, we really need your help. And um, looking back now, it's, it's very interesting and, and rewarding to know that people that I trained to do fit testing um, actually are still doing it. And people that I fit tested actually came to work at at the next healthcare facility that I just worked at in a federally qualified uh, community health center. And um, even now that um, I'm currently kind of doing some substitute teacher work right now, um, it's amazing to me how some teachers really understand properly how to prevent and control COVID, while others really do not understand what a primary control is and things like that. Um, But definitely inspiring was being able to work at an OSHA star site in the first part of my career, because really being able to start off with I would call it the gold standard, you know, recognizing how a functioning um, management commitment, employee involvement, enthusiasm, and really not even questioning doing things the safe way. It was an expectation, and that was really inspiring. And working down the hall from a professional engineer that was also a CSP who went on to become our society's president. Some of the best advice he gave me was to get involved with ASSP. And so through that affiliation, I have not only been able to actually get a couple of jobs, but also met incredible people that are very passionate about safety and health. And that is really part of the continued motivation and inspiration to stay in the field and want to keep helping improve things so that's a that's a quick intro so um mm-hmm. sorry i had to join a little late but um glad i was able to get in
0: oh yeah no thank you we appreciate you being here that, that's great i totally agree with that as well um I can certainly second that, that, uh, you know, when you first come into the field, you know, the the frame of reference tends to be a little smaller, you know, it's like, you know, about if if you went to school to do safety, you know, about the people in school or, or the, um, you know, peers and whatnot, then of course, there's that first organization you work with, and that kind of sets the tone for those initial thoughts, and there's some people that have the unfortunate experience, and they get out of the field based on that, you know, but then you've as you get around and you meet people and you work with ASSP and 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 you see more and you read more, then um, there's there's a lot of a lot of inspiring people and a lot of inspiring situations to learn from there. And I, I totally agree. You know, if I had gone on my first couple of experiences alone, uh, I probably would not be talking to you today. Uh, so I'm I'm certainly glad that I've been able to to meet everybody. But uh, that kind of brings us here with this great panel. Uh,
4: <clears throat>
0: so that kind of takes us into the next question. So, of course, we all have our, our you know, individual careers and experiences, and and hearing everybody's uh, stories is is always fantastic. I, part of the reason I like doing this podcast so much. Um, so that kind of brings us into some of the, some of the more particulars, some of the things that we that we see and hear that are, that are kind of kind of get us get us amped up. Uh, so let's start with books. Um, uh, Bryce, how about we start with you this time? What What are some some books and some reading that that have uh, been helpful to you?
4: Yeah, boy, thanks, uh, Corey. You you put me on the spot, but uh, I did I did prep work. I promise. Uh, and so there are two books that, stand, and I'm not a big book reader. I I will be the first to admit my brain struggles with uh, sitting down and physically reading books but i can do all right with audiobooks and a lot of my careers have involved commuting uh, and so plenty of time with audiobooks the two books that stand out to me um so the first one we're talking about, again, my passion is around emergency response, which is strange because I, I don't work in emergency response, um, is The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley, um, which really deep dives into uh, different disasters, different emergency events or significant events where you see what you see on the news and you, you kind of read you know newspaper recaps. But this really dives into... Um, interviews with survivors and things like that, you get a totally different perspective. Um, And I think it just better equips me as a health and safety professional, again, to think about how people, um, I, I can't say are thinking during an emergency, but how their bodies, how their minds are going to respond and how we can build systems to accommodate that. Um, So The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley, I very much enjoyed that, Um, has some very interesting stories and interviews about uh, September 11th and survivors who endured uh, that horrific event in particular. Uh, The other one is a, a little bit of a shift. It's called Attention All Passengers, and it's by William McKee. Uh, and and it's not a ton about safety. It's a fair amount about regulation and legislation in aviation and looking at uh, the evolution of aviation law and, and then deregulation. Uh, but I think having that background uh, combined with my very strange passion for aviation safety in particular uh, equips me to better understand when it comes to safety regulations, for example, for mainline carriers versus, uh, what, what's called regional carriers. Uh, so you, you fly on, um, uh delta connection uh and you your your ticket your paper ticket says delta on it and you check in at the delta ticket counter and the gate agent is wearing a delta uniform and you get on board the aircraft that has a delta logo on it and your flight attendant is wearing a delta uniform uh, when in reality that flight is operated by a carrier known as maybe republic airways or endeavor air and what are those regulations um for that carrier that's actually different than delta and why uh, so i find all of that fascinating and that's covered um pretty extensively as well as lots of other things inside uh the book attention all passengers those are my two
0: awesome yeah that's that's definitely great great picks all right cool um herbert how about yourself any books that you found to be
2: helpful I guess uh, uh, for me is I, I use books more like reference. So I don't think there's anything that really stands out that much uh, to me in terms of the books because I just use them for reference. And I guess most of my career has been more regulatory. So the law is the law. So whatever the law is, that's what I study, and that's what I try to protect my clients from.
0: references are invaluable I totally agree yeah definitely uh, Stephen how about yourself any any thoughts on books
3: so when Cora asked that question he had a smirk on his face because everyone that works with me knows that I am not a book reader I hate reading with a passion but what I will say is uh, similar to, to Herbert I do look at books for reference I'm not a hey read this book look at this movie type person but if I don't know the answer, I know where to go. And believe it or not, before I go to Google, I do go to some of my reference material that I have. I have a whole library. Two books I'm actually looking at right now. Notice I didn't say read, but I'm I'm looking through. Uh, the Essentials of Risk Management uh, by Michael Crowhey. Um, it's on my desk right now, as well as uh, the Fast Forward MBA Project Management. Uh, those aren't safety texts per se, but, I'm looking at my career and I'm seeing uh, the trajectory of safety on where it was when I got into the game 20 years or so ago to now, it's becoming more uh, exclusive. So just having a safety background is not going to cut it in the next 10 or 20 years in my opinion. You need to have uh, additional specialty or expertise, uh, whether it's environmental, industrial hygiene or whatnot. what i'm looking at right now is expanding my career in risk management, uh, as well as project management uh, I had a gentleman tell me about 10 years ago when I was teaching. Introduction uh, uh, introductory safety at a uh, Texas State Technical College. Uh, he wondered why I was going to work on my PhD i'm, I'm pretty much uh, I defend my dissertation in two weeks, so hopefully i'll be a doctor then but. Uh, When I first started the journey, uh, he was very discouraging, but it wasn't uh, to be discouraging. His mindset was, Stephen, instead of working on a Ph.D. in safety, why not look at another field and add on to your resume? And I wish I would have listened to him uh, because he was really pushing law, Um, get you a law degree or even become an attorney or whatnot, and just imagine a lawyer with a safety background. You know, what? you can accomplish. Uh, but I, I, again, I hate reading, so I can't do the, the law thing, but risk management, project management are two, uh, concepts that I believe can, um, can further along a safety professional's career, especially down the road. So the essentials of risk management and the fast forward MBA and project management is what I currently have on my desk.
0: awesome no I, that's that's totally legit you know it's there's a there's a million ways that safety risk environmental you know occupational health they all they all blend into one another you know so i totally agree with that um not to mention that enabled enabled you to pass your crm right
3: that is correct uh, That that risk management book actually kind of filled in the blanks of some things that i didn't learn um on the job a lot of the risk management that i have uh was on the job training where the safety was textbook Uh, and you know you got to have both in order to be successful in 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 our occupation but this textbook really did help me a lot with the crm but more importantly uh to be honest with you the project management book that i spoke of is really helping me out on the job right now overseeing the implementation of uh, ANSI Z-10 in the city of Houston, as well as uh, incorporating an electronic safety management system. Uh, you, you have to have a project management background to stay on top of all of the moving parts and getting large programs like that in a large entity like the city of Houston accomplished. So that book is also helping me. Awesome. Yeah,
0: it's always good to hear the, the real world applications for sure. All right. Uh, Rachel, how about yourself? Any any thoughts on, on books and
1: reading? I, I do. I have two books and I would actually consider them both to be coffee table safety books. Uh, not too dry, not too in-depth. And in fact, one uh, is called 1% Safer. And it it is really designed to be that coffee table book that could sit uh, in the reception area of your organization perused through by visitors, it, easy to put on a manager's desk uh, or to have in the room when you're doing safety meetings. And it's, it's done more as a photo journal book. It's um, s- Separated into chapters, but each chapter is 500 words. It basically takes up a page to a page and a half. And the chapters are written by different experts in their field, and a lot of them aren't safety, uh, but they're experts in in management or psychology or or motivation or speaking or behavior. Um, And so there's 142 contributing experts that that. Added a chapter to this book, and it's it's actually printed on very nice heavyweight paper and a satin finish. So it it is designed to be on your coffee table, on your on your desk, so that people pick it up and and peruse through it. And the book really looks at how safety, along with resilience, leadership, empathy, and emotional intelligence, might be seen through the lens of uh, pop culture or even the acts of historical figures like Abraham Lincoln or John Lennon. It also includes individual accounts from those who have survived uh, workplace incidents and accidents that have been that have been near fatal. Um, it asks great questions. It talks a little bit about the future. For example, if there was an app, and there is this app, that would give you fatality statistics related to your path of travel whether it's from the office home whether it's to a work site would those statistics change your behavior Um, would knowing those fatality statistics cause you to make any different choices and that's a great question to ask as we look at how we're we're looking at safety in the future so uh, it's called one percent safer and actually all the proceeds from the book go to support a uh, charter for the foundation for providing increased attention to workplace safety so onepercentsafer.com is where you can get it and the other one i like to recommend similar to bryce uh, i have a very maybe obsession with with learning from those accidents in the kind of morbid way that humans like to look at those disasters. And there's a, a great book called Set Phasers on Stun. Set Phasers on Stun by uh, Stephen Casey that is several short chapters about Accidents that are workplace accidents, but also large scale failures that we've seen, environmental failures or mechanical failures that resulted in, in significant injury or loss of life or or other bad outcomes. But uh, set phasers on stun, they are short chapters and they are very attention getting if you'd like to use them to open up a discussion with your safety team, uh, print out a chapter, most of them are between five and eight pages that are these case stories and and talk about how something like that would look or function in your organization. So coffee table books on safety, 1% safer and set phasers on stun.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely great picks. All right. And Lee, how about yourself? Any, any thoughts about books?
5: Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with um, Herbert related to risk management. Um, one of the newest books I've recently purchased is the Risk Management Tools for Safety Professionals written by um, Bruce Lyon and Georgie Popoff, um, published by ASSP. And, Agreed. I focused initially um, on perusing it and preparing for my CSP last summer. (laughs) But um, seeing the shift over the last, you know, I mean, I've been in safety about 25 years and seeing the shift from compliance to really risk based because, you know, as someone said one time to me, it costs too much money to be in compliance 100% of the time (laughs) for some businesses that might put them out of business because that's just not reality well you know in a perfect world we would all be compliant 100% of the time but in reality we have human beings that we're dealing with and um, lots of workplace pressures and various things so Definitely I agree and I would strongly recommend um, the new book by ASSP like I said called Risk Management Tools for Safety Professionals and of course Dr. Popoff and you know Bruce Lyon they're just amazing um, safety professionals and professors and great at what they do so strongly recommend that one. Um, Also another book um, that of course if any of you have listened to Regina McMichael um, she is the safety training ninja, as the title of her book is called, and excellent ideas in there. Um, if you are trying to refresh your training or really make sure that you've addressed those adult learning methodologies, um, I would strongly encourage you to um, pick up a copy of the, the safety training ninja by Regina McMichael, because there are just excellent ideas in there um, that last year when I um was revamping and developing some new training in the workplace um just some of the simple ideas in there that just made such a big difference in the training so i strongly recommend that one and then from an inspiration standpoint i would recommend a book called your greatest power sorry if i choke up (laughs) It's something that my father gave me to read when I was literally 11. And it's a great book that has been republished by the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And it's something I share with a lot of employees um, because it really talks about the importance of every single choice you make and the impact it has and in safety that's what it's all about right (laughs) helping people make better choices so that they can reduce their risk to the hazard and so that's a simple little um quick read uh excellent book just to inspire people to make better choices and Recognize that you're in control of the reaction to whatever the hazard or to whatever uh, that input is to you. So that's those are the three that I would suggest.
0: Yep, that's outstanding. Yeah, definitely fantastic, and and all great messages for sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Um, we got. Got a little just a little bit of time. so I'll tell you what we'll do is uh, let's let's condense the last couple things into the into the last round. so we'll do the the lightning bonus round. Um, Herbert, we'll start with you this time. Um, is there anything else that that you've found to be helpful and and enlightening and inspirational, whether it be uh, film, movies, television, uh, music, any anything else that you'd like to bring up that anybody might benefit from?
2: I think, for me, I'm a, I'm a tricky fan. So uh, to go where no man or woman has ever gone before, I think that's the way of the the EHS professional uh, in what we do. I think the other thing for me is uh, by, by our beats that deal with theta, gamma, delta, and alpha waves to influence our sleep, meditation, creativity, relaxation, and our sense. I think those, uh, I think when people listen to uh, really um, high-frequency sounds, I think it causes disruption, uh, and not only in their mental stability, but I think when you listen to these powerful beats, which are on a lower seat, I think it enhances your ability to be the best version of you. you can be. And I'm Herbert. I'm complete.
0: Awesome. That's great. I that, that's definitely a great uh, a great thought there to be the, the best version of of you you can be for sure. All right. Um, Rachel, let's come back to you this time. Any any other mediums, any other uh, art form that you'd like to bring up?
1: Well, I don't know if it's a medium or an art form. I th- I think you can see from just this this panel how involved safety professionals are in their world and in their communities. And, and those of you that have heard me for a minute in, in ASSP, you've just never seen an organization with more service. Uh, you know, from from Corey and Herbert who, who serve their countries to, I think it was Bryce who said he also volunteers with the Red Cross on, on the weekends. I know safety isn't the only place where I show up in, in my community as, as service. So I don't know if it, it, it speaks to pop culture or just our culture, but if you wanna be amongst a great group of people, get involved with your, with your ASSP chapters and with the, the national chapters, you just, uh, it, it touches so much more than occupational safety and the people. Here, touch so much more uh, than than just that. They're they're leaders in the community uh, in all areas. I, I've never met a leader in ASSP that doesn't all also volunteer their time, their expertise, their effort, their their money for for only this this organization. They they are absolutely involved in the communities and making everything a better place for us all. Absolutely. I I fully agree with that.
0: There's definitely a a huge, huge orbit
1: of fantastic people um, all all around the globe. I was just telling somebody
0: that the other day, you know, um, I said, if you only look at the people I've worked with professionally, you know, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, you've got typically the people I'm around now are are all fantastic, you know, because I've been able to narrow it down to the people I choose to be around. But, you know, those first couple years when you're just you know, happy to to find a job and get in the field and start working. You know, there's some people you realize pretty quick you don't want them to be around, but um, now you know, 17 years in, the people I'm around are the people I choose to be around, and then I know pretty consistently and certainly that the people that I'm around with ASSP or National City Council or AOHP for sure, you know, those are people that are going to be just outstanding because they choose to be there and you know, they commit their time and energy to it. So, I, Fully agree. Um, let's, uh, uh, Bryce. How about yourself? Any 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 uh, other thoughts you want to bring up today?
4: Yeah, no, no nothing additional. Uh, I, I certainly echo the sentiments of the other folks who are on this call. Uh, but you know, we, we choose to surround ourselves with with those who will make us better, uh, and I think that's why we are uh, here, all strong health and safety professionals, is because we we recognize we continue to learn and grow from one another, and ASSP is is of course. Uh, a great place to do that.
0: Nice. Yep, absolutely. All right, um, Mayor Lee, how about yourself? Any any last thoughts today? Sure. Uh, you know, agreeing with what everybody said, we
5: all, I am sure, um, do more than just what we've talked about today. Um, I am involved with. Uh, a COAD, a Community Organization Active in Disaster here in my community called BRACE, the Be Ready Alliance Coordinating for Emergencies, and what they do during times of disaster um, during the oil spill that that gave me you know great experience with coordinating volunteers and really interacting with public safety and emergency management on the county level and i wouldn't trade a minute of that because there was so much i learned and so many brave strong experienced professionals that i learned from it was really wonderful and I would be remiss, Corey, if I didn't say that all the work you do, you are such an energizer buddy. <laughs> you know, you you are involved with so many organizations. And, you know, just your energy and your enthusiasm um, is far-reaching and spreading. So thank you for everything you do. Uh,
0: thank, thank you all. I mean, I, it, it, it's I've had that conversation, you know, a lot of times, especially with, with our teams that are in the field every day, you know, is it, it wouldn't matter one bit what I do if, if everybody wasn't, you know, as good as they are, everybody's just fantastic. So, um, I'm just happy to have the opportunity to be around everybody, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good by association (laughs) if I'm good at all, but, um, thank you all for sure um and uh, steven how about yourself any any other thoughts today
3: so i'm going to tie it all in and that was a great segue um so i'm not sure if it's a medium like movies and tv shows but i love sports and the one thing of a successful team uh, it has two characteristics one is um great leadership or coaching or whatever you want to call it from the top to the bottom bottom to the top and in the middle Uh, You don't have a successful team without that, but you also don't have a successful team if everyone doesn't contribute. And that's the one thing that uh, I try to sell when it comes to safety or uh, risk management now that I'm getting into that realm. But in order to be successful in anything, one person can't do it alone. It's a team effort, especially occupational health and safety. Uh, But you also need strong coaching or leadership at the top. You need strong offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, so leadership in the middle. But you also need your players to be engaged also and listen to that leadership and work with that leadership. So tying into Corey, Corey is, is the constant team player. Uh, he, he's a, a great leader, but he also is a team player. And not too many people understand the differences between the two. And even less people know how to apply and Corey does that he leads by example but at the same time he is that team player that you can always count on so i'm glad that was brought up but, but that is corey and that's said segue is teamwork teamwork and leadership coaching whatever you want to call it that's that's my my medium
0: that's awesome yeah that that's certainly certainly valuable you know there's um that's a conversation you know i once had with my my dad, when I was young, you know, my my dad works in in oil and gas. He's a mathematician, and um, he used to always tell me that when they would hire um, specifically chemical engineers to work in the refineries and and whatnot, he would say, you know, there's there's typically, um, and I think this even came up a little bit earlier on some of the some of the discussions. You know, there there's people that enjoy being typically. Um, more, more introverted, you know, doing things like STEM, like math and science and working on things, solving problems. And then you have the people that tend to enjoy, um, you know, being around people and more extroverted and things like sales and, um, you know, working to get the, to get the, the, uh, the solutions out to the people, you know, to make the world better. And each of them is equally valuable, you know, and so part of the, part of the challenge is being able to help guide people into the role that they'll they'll enjoy the most and they'll be the most successful in you know and so um to your point Stephen you know that that's a that's a skill set in itself you know being able to 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 look at people and and work with them and, and help them along the way and and I think that's I think it's hugely important you know especially with everybody being ASSP volunteer leaders, you know, is that you you of us are getting paid to be here, you know, y'all are here on your own accord. You're here because you want to be and you're here to help other people, whether it be not only uh, team members and people that are safety professionals in their careers, but also the people that we're serving, you know, whether it's our organization or the greater public, both of which, you know, make no mistake, affect each other, especially with things like this pandemic that's been going on here. So um, all Outstanding. Um, All right. Well, that closes up the panel that we had. Um, unfortunately, we had a little bit of a audio disruption at the end, so I'm kind of overdubbing the last few minutes there. But one of the things that we wanted to put out is that, uh, if you haven't seen it, our Anchor page has all of our podcasts on it. So we're at anchor.fm slash asssp hcps healthbeat. And we have 31 episodes up now with all kinds of great speakers, great topics and great information. So we hope you can check that out. Also, we got some webinars coming up. So we're gonna have some webinars coming up about uh, empathy, that's gonna be coming up. And then we'll also have diversity, equity and inclusion, which is gonna be from Bryce Criffler, who you've heard from today on this podcast. And he was on the ASSP DEI task force. So he's got some great information about that. And then We'll also be talking about some other topics later in the spring, so definitely check us out on the ASSP communities, and please check us out on LinkedIn and on Twitter. But with all that being said, if you'd like to get in touch, please do. We hope to hear from you real soon, and we hope to catch you on the next podcast and webinar. Everybody have a great day.